Chapter 27 The day dawned heavy with thick grey mist. The sun hid beneath swollen grey clouds. As the day progressed, the weather held, threatening to pour icy rain down upon the city of Jor. All the preparations were complete. Each warrior atop the walls stood prepared. Their new armor gleamed with silver and iron, their swords were sharpened, their spears stood at hand, and their bows were strung, taut and ready. In front of each warrior was a shield, painted with the new Jorian insignia, two simple white wings. Upon Vania's birth, Lorne had felt something unseen snap, as if a taut line of magic connecting him to someone as if a taut line of magic connecting him to someone severed a magical tie. Lorne heard a thrumming, malevolent voice in his head say, It's time. The joy of Vania's birth, and the relief he felt at Lily surviving the labor, was overshadowed by the knowledge that whatever waited to pounce on Jor, waited no longer. Lorne visited Lily and Vania in their tower chamber. He looked resplendent in new silver armor, especially made segmented to part in the back and accommodate his huge wings. Lorne approached his wife and son. Lily, I... Lily placed a hand on his cheek, looking deeply into his eyes. Do not worry, my love. I have faith in you. I know you will prevail. Lorne kissed her, smoothed his hand over Vania's soft head, and leaned to kiss him too. He pulled out a silver short-sword, and wordlessly handed it to Lily, holding her stormy blue gaze for a moment longer. Unable to express in words what was in his heart, he rose and moved to leave, stopping beside Umber and handed her a silver dagger. Umber smiled bravely, nodded her head slightly, and looked at him with eyes filled with hope. One hand hovered over her breast, clutching the necklace he had given her as a wedding present, protecting her. Her other hand hovered over her swelling belly, where Sorel's son grew. Umber, stay here with my lady, and you will both be safe. There are five guards outside this door, my best men. Let no one enter. Keep the windows closed, and don't open them for any reason. I will return when I can. Don't worry about Sorel. I will watch over him. Yes, my king, Umber whispered boldly. At the door he turned, and took a long last look at his wife and son, and then left. It was two hours before nightfall on the evening of the Dark of the Moon. Lorne paced the tall wall with pent-up frustration. He fought to control the rage that was building inside him because of the threat to his wife, his son, and the people he had come to love. He stared out into the black forest, looming in front of the castle walls. Suddenly his skin began to tingle. He stopped, gripping the wall, staring out intently. He could feel the wrongness, and knew... It was about to begin. Anyone else looking would have seen an empty forest, blinked, and then the forest was empty no more. 
The field, littered with stumps from where trees had been cleared, was empty but for a slight wind. And in a sudden black blaze it was filled with black demons. Lorne estimated there were about two hundred of them. They stood as still as the trees. They were creatures built like the most beautiful of men. Their skin shone blue-black in the fading sunlight. Night-black hair fell in a single neat braid down their backs, and their eyes glowed with green phosphorescence and malevolence. Wearing only loincloths and holding wicked-looking swords, their perfectly muscled bodies shone as if freshly oiled. At their feet swirled a strange purple mist, glowing sickly with the evil of the underworld from whence they had just risen. They remained in perfectly ordered ranks, not moving or breathing, clutching swords, axes, maces, and short barbed whips. An army of beautiful, tantalizing, living obsidian statues. Lorne watched from the wall, waiting. During their training, he instructed his warriors how to fight these demons. He knew demons fought best at night because their eyes were sensitive to sunlight. But in the storm-shrouded day, it made no difference. They appeared orderly and stood in ranks, but Lorne knew from experience that they did not fight well-ordered or systematically, unless, as it was in his father's time, Lorne himself led them. He had been their strong leader, and they obeyed him without question. But Lorne never questioned why. Each demon was filled with pride and too much self-conceit, but he was the white demon, and he was different. As commander of Cullorne's warriors, Lorne spent long years training the demons and whipping them into a military organization. Still, part of the reason that King Cullorne had failed was because he could not get his demon armies to hold their ranks and fight as a unified military force when the battle came. Though he did not know who commanded the demons now, or how this person was able to do so, Lorne hoped it was the same now that he was on the other side. Silver and iron were deadly defenses against these demons, and that is why Lorne insisted on silver and iron armor and weapons. The iron-tipped arrows would be their first line of defense. Silver also helped dispel the effects of magic, and Lorne had little idea what to expect from a supernatural kind of attack. Just as suddenly as the demons, now appeared their leader, the Black Sorcerer. He sat atop a black horse that snorted purple fire and danced agitatedly, advancing toward the wall in front of Lorne. The black sorcerer raised an arm, and a thin hand extended toward Lorne, pointing a long bony finger at him, then at the ground in front of him, beckoning him, commanding his attendance. Lorne turned toward Sorel. The black sorcerer beckons. We will get the horses, Sorel said. No, you stay. I will go alone. Be on guard. He may plan to keep me talking while he works some other treachery. He waves no flag of truce or negotiation. Surely this is a trap. Or you should go and watch your back. I will go alone. Be watchful and command from here. He spoke stubbornly while he turned to walk away. 
Lorne went down to the great gates and called for his horse. He shrugged his shoulders and called forth his wings, which parted the plates of the specially designed armor, and then unfolded from his back. The gates opened enough to let Lorne ride out on Svartur, who pranced almost merrily, hooves raising high and head tossing with the excitement of a battle horse. The gates closed behind Lorne with a ringing thump, and he rode casually toward the black sorcerer. His eyes calculated numbers as he went. Upon seeing the white-winged demon ride out, the demons behind the black sorcerer began to chant. They stamped their feet and pounded their spears rhythmically on the ground, as if in recognition of one of their own. Many smiled, revealing fanged teeth as they chanted their deep demon song. The black sorcerer sat on his mount unmoving, and then raised his arm and the black horde fell silent. Lorne wondered at this strange reception and approached slowly. The black sorcerer faced toward him, then gestured to the right and to the left. Out from the woods came a horde of men, dirty and ragged, poorly armed. They swarmed forward like carrion insects to form ranks in front of the black demons. Come closer, the black sorcerer demanded of Lorne. Lorne approached, curious to finally find out the identity of the black sorcerer. Prince Lorne? Or is it King Lorne now, eh? the black sorcerer purred in a pleased tone of voice. Forgive me for meeting you this way. You've been busy at Castle Jaw. I had hoped to speak with you in a more pleasant manner by entering the castle through one of the secret passageways. But to my surprise, I found them all blocked, forcing me to knock on the front door of my own home. As he drew closer, Lorne only raised an eyebrow. Lanlo, why am I not surprised? Black robes? Aren't you a red sorcerer? Lanlo dropped his hood and gave Lorne a smile that was not reflected in his eyes. Placing a hand over his heart, he gave a slight mocking bow. Prince Lorne, I've always been a black sorcerer. Who do you think called the demons for your father? While you wasted away in your cups these past five years, I've been gathering troops and planning. So, you are the one who has been using my father's name to attack the kingdoms of Vat, and you have been blaming it all on me. What is your game? he said calmly, almost bored. I've done it all for you, my prince. I have been building you a mighty army, and preparing the way so you may step into your father's place, and succeed where he failed. These demons will only follow a mere human sorcerer for so long, as you are well aware. They are a strange and greedy lot. You they will follow with devotion and enthusiasm, because you are their better. They have no choice. Devotion? From demons? You must be mad as well as delusional. You know my father's hold over them was precarious at best. It was only gained through the promise of blood and souls. I've no wish to lead them, nor pay that price. Send them back to the depths of the underworld where they came from. I do not want your army, and I have no wish to follow in Cullorn's footsteps. Leaning forward in his saddle, he spoke through gritted teeth. He failed, lest you forget. 
Lorne went red in the face, his anger threatening to burst forth, but he held it in check. You've wasted your time, for I have no intention of joining you, and you've given me much time to prepare for your coming. Leave now and I will spare your life. Lanlo considered for a moment, then changed tactics. Oh, as to that, well, that is your fault. It took forever for Princess Lily Lyra to conceive, or I'd have been here much sooner. I thought all that time spent in the Crystal Cave would have quickly produced an heir, and that valiant effort in Skoga to return her to her father. Well, I could have told you it would be a complete waste of time. That little sojourn was risky, and I almost had to send my man in to help you escape. Lanlo gestured behind him, and who should creep forward but clung. He had resupplied his daggers because they stuck out from every sheath and pocket the man could wear on his body. Klung gave a nasty grin and bowed mockingly. At the mention of his son and Lily, Lorne had gone cold. Vicious, exploding fury began to build within his chest. His eyes smoldered and his wings lifted in agitation. Svarta danced nervously and Lorne gripped the reins pulling them to quiet his tossing head. Perhaps you are wondering how I know all of this. The simple art of scrying has allowed me to obtain regular reports here at Castle Jaw. Klung was my eyes and ears in Skoga. As soon as your son was born, I knew it was time to present you with your army. He made a sweeping gesture. Together we can finish what King Kulon started. We can rule all of Vet. Join me and I will make you not just the king of Jor, but high king over all the kingdoms of Vet. Let me get straight to the point, Lorne said through gritted teeth. You and your army can crawl back into the slime from whence you came. I have no intention of leading that rabble for any reason. My father failed because his delusions of grandeur were greater than his ability to succeed. His greed was his undoing. You continue to believe the ravings of a dead lunatic, and follow empty dreams that do not lead to glory, only ruin. The black sorcerer looked at Lorne, calculating. Defensively, he said, I have given you everything. I lifted you from the depths of despair after your father's demise. I gave you the Princess Lily Lyra and your son. I rebuilt your army. These demons spawn demand to follow one of their own kind. Lanlo seethed with building fury. That would be you. Let me get straight to the point, my prince. I know how many men you have, how many women and children are huddled behind your walls. If you do not join me and lead the demon horde against Vet, I will crumble the walls of the castle around you. My demons will feast upon every man, woman, and child. Their blood and souls will feed them for eternity. I will exact torture and destruction that will make your father's practices pale in comparison. Lanlo's eyes glowed with intensity, and the skin of his face pulled back from yellow teeth as he spit his venomous words. You are your father's son. 
Deep in your heart, you are evil just like him. I know it. But if you insist on defying me, I will take your son. And when he comes of age, he will command the demon forces. If you will not succeed where your father failed, I will make sure your son does. While I'm at it, I will feed your wife to my demons. Peace by delicious peace. Lorne burned with fury. His eyes glowed with a passionate rage that threatened to engulf him on the spot. His wings pulsed upwards and threatened to lift him from the saddle. I will rip your head from your shoulders and spit down your throat while I feed your soul to those demons you put so much faith in. If you come anywhere near my wife or my son, I'll have none of your schemes and delusions. Make no mistake, I will kill you before this day is through. Lorne wrenched Svartar around and galloped back toward the gates. But before disappearing within, he wheeled back around and took his spear from its place mounted onto his saddle. Then he stood high in the saddle stirrups, pulled his arm back and muscles flexing, gave a mighty throw. It arched into the sky. All the men on the walls and the ground watched as the spear soared through the air and struck Klung square in the chest, knocking him back with a force. He screamed and clutched at the thing sticking from his chest. Blood gurgled from his mouth and he writhed, dying in the dirt. Before the light left his eyes, one of the demons broke ranks and fell upon Klung, grabbing him with long black claws and sharp white teeth. They vanished into the underworld. Once back inside the walls, a huge bar fell securing the gates. Lorne shrugged and retracted his wings, then leaping from Svarta, he raced up the stairs, taking them two at a time to the top of the wall. Behind him, the black sorcerer Lanlo slowly turned his horse and retreated to the line of men and demons. He raised his arms and began to invoke. The ground shook, and overhead the sky darkened with black storm clouds. Lightning streaked across the sky, and thunder shook the very mountains around them. Then he gave the order, and the force of men marched forward carrying scaling ladders, spears, and cudgels. Another group came forward with bows and drew arrows. The line of demons held back, still as a cool night, and let the men make the first advance to the walls. Back on the wall, Lorne ordered his archers, and raising an arm chopped it down, ordering, Fire! Their arrows flew and every single one found a mark. The attacking men lurched, screaming with the deadly arrows. Black demons broke the ranks and pulled the fallen souls down. The black sorcerer's archers drew and fired back. Sorel Brand yelled loudly, Shield wall! The soldiers' shields came up, creating a seamless barrier that repelled the arrows all along the top of the battlements. They clattered and thudded into the shields, only a very few striking a target. The few wounded men were quickly carried away. The chaos of war ensued. Men screamed and ran toward the walls, while Lorne's men cut them down with arrow and spear. The shield wall held. A few ladders were raised, and any man who made it to the top was cut down with sword and axe. 
Lorne's forces held, but they suffered casualties. Lanlo smiled evilly as Lorne's forces spent their arrows on the human men below. He waited, and the black demons waited, still, strangely patient for their turn. Then it was time. Lanlo again raised his arms and began to chant. The sickly, purple-stained mist that swirled around the feet of the demons began to boil. It was time for the demons to engage in the battle. Lorne commanded from atop the wall, shouting orders to his men and gauging the enemy below. He saw the purple mist begin to boil and knew that Lanlo had commanded his demons to advance. They come! he yelled a warning. A freezing rain had begun to fall, but the demons moved forward completely unaffected, their blue-black skin shimmering beautifully. In the storm brought lightning, they moved forward. Their green eyes glowed and they blended in with the gloom. Lorne cursed the advantage the darkness gave his enemies. He could see in the dark with his demon sight, but his men would not be able to tell where the demons were until they were almost directly upon them. Although they had torches on the walls, they sputtered in the rain and threatened to go out and cast his men in complete darkness. From his vantage point, Sorel saw that the deadly darkness could spell their doom. Yelling at ten men, he commanded them to follow him down the stairs and into the stables. He motioned to each man and they grabbed armloads of previously bundled hay. Grabbing as many lanterns and torches as they could carry, they hurried back up to the top of the wall. Dowsing the bundled hay and lantern oil and pitch, he then lit them on fire, and he and the men hurtled them over the wall. The hay burst into flames and lit the ground where they crashed, burning the men below. Black demons broke ranks and dragged the dying men down to the underworld. Despite the falling rain, these flaming hay bundles served to light the lower walls enough to help the archers see the black shadowy demons as they came in range of the firelight. Lorne's forces continued to rain down the iron-tipped arrows, and whenever one hit a demon, it would roar and explode into a greasy black mist that was swirled away by the wind. As each demon fell, a new one would take its place. The battle raged on, and the men fought with the desperate bravery that arises from the need to protect their homes and families. But each knew that his soul was also in peril, should a demon get a hold of them. The black sorcerer conjured dark magic, and more demons arose from the purple mist that lit with strikes of lightning from the depths of the underworld. With another command, thirty men came forward carrying a huge log. Advancing toward the main gate, they hurtled it against the barrier, battering it over and over. A loud, booming crash reverberated and shook the thick timbers. Lorne commanded the men from the walls. Sorel checked in with him and they strategized quickly, and watched, willing the gates to hold and the battle to turn to their advantage. Lorne also watched the black sorcerer as he wove his dark magic, but he hoped that the magic Lanlo himself had weaved to protect the castle in the old days would still hold now. It did, but for how long was the question? As the battle went on, seemingly unending through the night, Lorne watched with his demon sight and saw something that froze the blood in his veins. 
Lanlow had dropped his arms and ceased conjuring. He turned and spoke into the darkness. At his command, something huge and blacker than the night bolted into the air. It was a black-winged demon, and it headed straight toward the highest tower of Castle Jaw, where Lorne's wife and son waited. A peal of lightning lit the sky, and the black demon's form was briefly silhouetted against the storm clouds. Sorrel looked and saw what Lorne was seeing. Go! he shouted desperately to Lorne as he too realized the direction the black-winged demon was heading. Lorne was already moving without hesitation. His wings burst from his back and he shot into the sky. His launch was a white lightning flash in the night.